to the RPC Sermons Podcast. You can join us for virtual worship every Sunday at roswellpress.org. Thanks for listening. This week, or this season, this Lenten season, we're working our way through various spiritual disciplines. And this morning, we're gonna look at the book of Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, to see what Jesus has to say about fasting. But before we turn to scripture, let's turn to God in prayer. Let's pray. Holy God, we give you thanks for this day, for this time to be together, and this time to be in your word. So God, we pray that you would be present now, that you would be present in the reading of your word, and the hearing of your word, and the proclamation of your word. God, that it would be you, your spirit, at work in and among us. And may this encounter with you be so powerful that we cannot walk away unchanged. In your name we pray, amen. So we'll look at the Gospel of Matthew, the ninth chapter, starting at verse 14. Then the disciples of John came to Jesus, saying, Why do we and the Pharisees fast often, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus said to them, The wedding guests cannot mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them, can they? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and they will fast. No one sews a piece of unshrunk cloth onto an old cloak, for the patch pulls away from the cloak, and a worse tear is made. Neither is new wine put into old wineskins, otherwise the skins burst, and the wine is spilled, and the skins are destroyed. But new wine is put into fresh wineskins, and so both are preserved. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you. So each week in Lent, as we are working our way through the various spiritual disciplines, we've talked about all kinds of things, right? We've looked at prayer, meditation. And I want to be really clear as we start today, because I have heard Jeff say multiple times that the associate pastors always start their sermons by saying, Jeff gave me the hard topic. So let's review. We started Lent talking about meditation and contemplative prayer. Jeff did a powerful sermon. Last week, a fantastic sermon about prayer and the point of prayer. Today, I'm talking about fasting. Now, in Scripture, when Jesus meditates and spends time alone and and prays, Beautiful things happen, right? Like we we see these miraculous healings and we see a dove come from the sky and light on Jesus' head and, and the voice of God speaks. When Jesus fasts, the devil showed up. I'm just saying my topic is harder. That's all I'm saying. Not to mention, besides the whole Jesus starving in the desert with the devil thing, In our particular context and culture of where we live, I believe that we have a really unhealthy relationship with food and eating and the way that we believe food and eating makes our bodies look. As a matter of fact, you have, I'm sure, heard of intermittent fasting. Intermittent fasting has become the fastest, the biggest, most popular American diet with 24% of Americans saying that they have done intermittent fasting to lose weight. So the question is, are we dieting for Jesus now? 
And if we diet for Jesus, will the devil show up? <laughs> Just saying. Important questions for us. You've heard of people giving things up for Lent, of fasting from something for Lent, maybe sugar or desserts, sodas, alcohol. Maybe you have even given something up for Lent, this selective type of fasting. And so maybe that's what's intended when we talk about fasting, is, is that kind of giving up a vice, perhaps, for Lent. And so the question is, is that what Scripture calls us to? And if so, how does that draw us closer to Jesus? And so I really want us to wrestle with those things this morning. I want us to think about what do those things mean, and why is fasting even talked about in the Bible, and should we still be fasting now as a spiritual discipline? And so in order for us to really think that through, I want to make sure that we understand exactly what a spiritual discipline is. And I want to tell you that for a lot of my study on spiritual disciplines and fasting, I used a book by a woman named Marjorie Thompson. She's a, a PCUSA pastor. She's retired now. She wrote a book called Soul Feast. And if you are at all interested in spiritual disciplines, I would commend this book to you. She walks through different disciplines and how to practice them in our daily lives. It's very good, very good. I, I very much appreciate it. And she defines spiritual disciplines this way. Practices that have trained us in faithfulness. And she highlights that these practices are something that have, they have history to them. They have maybe like ancient street cred. Like they're things that we have been doing all through the story of God's people. We have seen them woven throughout our story. She says this, such practices have consistently been experienced as vehicles of God's presence, guidance, and call in the lives of faithful seekers. So spiritual disciplines are practiced. We practice them, and it's in the practicing of these things that we are reminded of God's presence, that we are reminded of God's activity in our lives. This past winter, my eighth grade son made the school basketball team. Big deal. Big deal, because we love the eighth grade basketball coach. The people, he'd been talking about this coach for a long time. Drew was very excited that he was going to get to play for this basketball coach. He's got a very particular coaching style, very successful. So he comes home from the first day of practice grumbling about some coach from UCLA. So apparently, Drew's coach, for, on the first day of practice, told the team about legendary UCLA coach John Wooden. And the big story about him, of course, is that he was teaching his team the fundamentals. You have to know the basics. You have to practice the basics and the fundamental. And then you build off that. And that's what makes you a better player. Matter of fact, Coach Wooden would say, it's so important that the very first practice with these D1 athletes from all over the country, the best basketball players in the country, the very first practice, they would learn and practice how to put on their socks and shoes, which I learned this morning was because they wore those Converse back then to play basketball, which don't have a lot of support, so you got to put your socks and your shoes on correctly so you don't get blisters. I learned this morning, I teach you, I got you. <laughs> so uh, so they, the Drew's coach tells them all about this, this, this coach wooden and the socks and the shoes, and Drew says, and sure enough, Coach made us take off our socks and shoes and practice putting on our socks and shoes. 
So this week I was writing this sermon and I was like, Drew, now that this season is over and you look back, did it help this putting on your socks and shoes? Did it really teach you something? And he said, Mom, did you see our season? We needed to practice more than putting on our socks and shoes. <laughs> okay, fine. So we practiced putting on socks and shoes and also running plays. And because of that, that makes us, it makes us better players, right? It gives them depth on the court. In the same way with our spiritual disciplines, we practice them. It makes us better at this faithful relationship with God. It gives us depth to our faith journey. And so it makes sense then that we would talk about these spiritual disciplines, these practices. We, it makes sense that we would talk about them during Lent. Because Lent is this season of prayer and preparation for the greatest feast in our Christian calendar. The celebration of Easter that's to come. How can we truly know the joy and the delight and the significance of Easter if we don't acknowledge and take time to experience the deprivation of our sin and the depth of our penitence? And so we practice. We practice and we attend to these disciplines, these acts that have been carried out by all of the saints who have gone before us. Not because they have some magical power that makes God show up better, but because they make us aware then of our own finitude and help us to practice being in relationship with an infinite God. They help us to know God better and better. And I would even offer that these disciplines then usher us into the presence of God, the joy and the delight and the celebration. So the good news then is if this is the case, if Lent is the time to stop and reflect and practice a right relationship with God, then Lent isn't necessarily a season of doom and dreariness, but rather it's a moment of intentionality in our faith walk. It's a time for us to be reoriented to Jesus. And this makes sense because the word Lent actually is a Saxon word that means spring, and spring is my favorite. I literally wait all year for spring because finally there is sun and warmth. Not today, but other days in spring there is sun and warmth, and the flowers start to peek their little heads out, and the world that's been sleeping and dormant with short days finally starts to show signs of life. And the world is reoriented to the sun. It makes me think about a poem. A, a good friend of mine gave me this book of poems by Morgan Harper Nichols. It's a fabulous little book. But there's a poem in there that I always think about this time of year, this idea of the world opening back up and moving into a new season. Here is her poem. Hear the wind as it howls around you over ridges and into the valley where you stand in the drying weeds with a sense of new days coming. See the setting sun turning barren lands into rows of endless yellow that now has you thinking, maybe the change of season is more than sorrow, but a leap, a promise for hope tomorrow. Lent reminds us that we are entering into a new season, that we are moving with promise and hope with God, and so we practice. We practice these things that remind us of who God is and who we are and what God is able to do. 
in relationship with us. And so this passage that we read this morning, the passage we read, Jesus is with the disciples. It's not a season of preparing or practicing. They're all there together. It's a season of basking in the presence of the Son, of soaking up the abundant life that God gives and the abundant life that God sustains for the disciples. They had all that they needed because they were there in the presence of Jesus They didn't need to fast. They will. In the future, they will need to fast. But at that moment, they had everything they needed. And that nourished them, sustained them. But you see, we fast. We fast. And in our fasting, we are humbly and faithfully acknowledging that we've attached ourselves to shallow worldly things. And we've expected those things to hold us and give, in, and give us meaning when they clearly cannot. Therefore, the point of fasting is to empty ourselves of that which we look to for life. Isn't equipped to sustain us. To empty ourselves of that which we greedily hold on to, to give our own selves a sense of control or satisfaction. So if we're going to be really honest about practicing fasting during this season, we have to ask ourselves the question, what are we making more necessary than God? And we have to admit then, because we have been satisfied to feed ourselves on the junk that the world offers, that we're limited to the life that's defined by the world. Marjorie Thompson says this, We will comprehend little of how we are nourished by Christ until we have emptied ourselves of the kinds of sustenance that keep us content to live at life's surface. And so we practice, and we practice, and we practice living into the seasons of faith, remembering who Jesus is and who Jesus called us to be. We practice our spiritual disciplines and we pray and we fast because as John Calvin tells us that fasting subdues the needless desires of the flesh, prepares us for prayer and meditation, and expresses humility before God in confession. The disciples didn't need to fast because Jesus was with them, sustaining them. But Lent reminds us we must fast We must fast because Jesus is coming, but he isn't here yet. And so we practice. But I don't want us to walk out of here this morning until we talk about the actual practice of fasting itself. When we hear the word fast, our brain immediately goes to food, which makes sense because that's how they fasted in the Old Testament and the New Testament, by giving up food So in preparation for this sermon, I decided to do a Daniel fast. The Daniel fast is based off of Daniel in the Old Testament, where three different times in the book of Daniel, he decides to fast from the indulgent foods of the royal court and eat only the foods that that the the land has given them, that God has given him through the land. Vegetables, essentially. (laughs) And then the scripture tells us that because David relied only on what God had given him, he, he was proven to be the strongest man in the court. So for the first week of Lent, I did the Daniel fast, hoping and expecting big spiritual revelations to share with you this morning. 
Every day, I would carefully arrange all of my meals to make sure I only ate foods of the earth. Every night, I would do a devotional and spend time in prayer. However, if I am being honest and a little more vulnerable than I would prefer to be, as the week got busier, my prayer time got shorter and shorter. I was skimming over the devotion. But I will confess to you, as much as I would skim on the other things, I never, ever missed a morning to stand on the scale. I will confess to you that I used the concept of spiritual discipline not to practice my faith and allow myself to be reoriented, but I hijacked it for what I wanted. Instead of looking to God and celebrating dependence on God's provision, I trivialized the practice of fasting, and I allowed it to be a vehicle for me to be in charge, for me to claim what I wanted, to seek out my own will. Y'all, instead of practicing a spiritual discipline, I was engaging in idolatry. I used Jesus, uh, the pretense of Jesus, to accomplish what I wanted. James Earl Massey says fasting is important in Christian experience because it deepens within the whole self a sense of one's dependence upon the strength of God. Fasting is more than an act of abstinence. It's an affirmative act. It's a way of waiting on God. It's an act of surrender. I had not surrendered. We have to be honest with ourselves and ask ourselves, what are we holding up higher than we should? We have to be willing to examine within ourselves what it is that we do in order to maintain our own control. And if we ask ourselves that question honestly, then maybe we'll have clarity about what it is we need to be fasting from. Maybe we need to fast from dieting and getting on the scale every morning and instead lift our bodies up as beautiful, holy temples that God made. Maybe we need to fast from Instagram and Snapchat and instead notice the people around us who need a real live person to ask them how they're doing. Maybe we need to fast from drive-through dinners and commit to gathering the family around the table. Maybe we need to fast from insisting that our own tradition and ideologies are correct and instead make a list of the value of the other person's opinion. Maybe we need to fast from spending money on non-necessities and instead give more to the work and ministry of Jesus. Maybe we need to fast from working all the way until bedtime and instead build in an hour of Sabbath or even time with our families. Maybe we need to fast from I'm fine and instead ask for help or meet with a therapist or maybe just be willing to say, I'm not fine. Fasting calls us to surrender, to let go of what we think sustains us in order to see exactly what the grace of God can do. Fasting allows us to feast on what God gives. So friends, this Lent, put on your socks and shoes and practice being in relationship with God. Amen. Let's pray. Holy God, we give you thanks. We give you thanks for this opportunity to be together, to worship together. 
And God, we pray that you would give us the boldness, the faith, the humility to give up those things that we so desperately hold on to. Lord, asking them to feed us when it is you who sustains us. In your name we pray. been listening to the RPC Sermons Podcast. Please let us know you're here by visiting roswellpress.org and signing our digital friendship register. May the grace and love of God be with you today and throughout the rest of your week. Thanks for listening.